This is your next step to defeating the narcissist. Learn how to master your boundaries, how to release responsibility for another's emotional response, how to feel the power of your self-sovereignty, free yourself from narcissistic abuse, and draw long-lasting, powerful boundaries. Get your free How Empaths Can Draw Powerful Boundaries workshop now at ravenscott.show forward slash free dash workshop. Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, and I welcome you here to the show. If you are new and are enjoying this podcast, help me help others. Rate and review. Take a screenshot and DM me at Raven Scott Show on Instagram for a free human design reading to answer your pressing questions about the root cause, your future, and external forces that influence you. Today we are speaking with Dr. Marnie Hill Fororero, and she is such a blessing. I met her actually through um, Paxton on Narc Abuse TV. He now has a YouTube channel, NATV Network, and um, which I have three shows on there as well. But she's been a guest on his show, and she's always been commenting on my videos, and I'm commenting on hers, and it was just such a, a treat to actually physically talk to her one-on-one. You're really going to enjoy her. Uh, and another thing is the audio is a tiny bit glitchy in some spots because in a beautiful Costa Rica, she was in a thunderstorm, and a couple times I actually saw the lightning flash and brighten her entire body. It was pretty incredible. Um, you might even hear some thunder rumblings. Dr. Marnie Hill Florero is an award-winning and celebrated author, speaker, and educator. She earned her doctorate in education from Northern Illinois University and completed postdoctoral studies at Harvard after a very successful and rewarding 35-year career as a high school special education teacher. With 12 years as a university adjunct graduate school professor. Marnie's life was forever changed after experiencing numerous trauma-induced STEs, spiritually transformative encounters. Marnie's 2020 Best Books Award-winning spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale, is prominently endorsed by James Redfield, best-selling author of the Celestine Prophecy series of books. Marnie's latest prominently endorsed five-book series is entitled True Deceit, False Love, addresses domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, parental alienation, and intergenerational family trauma. Marnie is a lover of animals, nature, music, and world travel who handles life's challenges with love and compassion. She values honesty, integrity, equality, and goodness and praise for peace on earth. Marnie is a contributing author to numerous anthology books. In January 2022, Marnie was inducted into the best-selling authors international organization. Today, we are talking about what is projection 
and how narcissists use it to manipulate. You can find her on GodCameToMyGarageSale.com. Cue the conversation. Oh, it's so good to be back and to have a beautiful guest, Dr. Marnie Hill Fodorero. Thank you so much for being here, Marnie. Oh my gosh, Raven. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And it's just an honor to connect with you. I've been following you and on Narc Abuse TV and just your amazing book. And uh, so glad to be here. Yeah. And I myself, it's like having a familiar friend here in this conversation because we have commented on each other's videos with Narcabuse TV Network and yeah, just connected that way. I'm excited to talk today to our audience. They're anxious to learn more about narcissism. And you have a five book series entitled True Deceit, False Love. That really struck me. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we dive into what is projection and how narcissists use to manipulate? Yes, sure. You know, I didn't really set out to write a five book series. Um, I am the author of the spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale, which I really don't address any domestic abuse or anything like that. Just more that the character um, had some spiritual experiences in the midst of, you know, the transition after choosing to leave her abuser. Um, but I, I actually am a big believer that you need to have knowledge and information in order to understand what you've been through and to heal, you know? And so I tuned into podcasts and read literature and, um, wanted to learn more about what I went through. So domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, parental alienation. And so what I would do is I would write down different terms. Projection, what we're going to talk about today, was one of the terms. I really didn't know what projection meant. But there's so many other terms, um, you know, gaslighting, scapegoat, um, gray rocking, no contact, all these different terms. Love and bombing, I just had, <laughs> right? Love bombing big time. <laughs> and so I, you know, I had this list that grew from a hundred to a thousand and then to 10,000. And at that point I thought, you know, this is healing for me to look up this, look up these terms and kind of connect the dots to what I went through, I thought, let me just put it into a book. And I always had the title in the back of my mind of true deceit, false love, because, you know, when we are love bombed, we believe we are experiencing true love, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's actually true deceit that we are experiencing. Uh, by these very covert calculating manipulators that have chosen us um, because of our empathetic nature and our willingness to look the other way when it comes to immoral and, and unethical behavior. Just kind of, we think that because we're good people that, you know, they're good people. Right. And, and that's not always the case. So anyway, I, I um, did uh, write the first book in the series. Um, and, you know, it's 15,555 terms and phrases. And, um, uh -oh. you know, on all of this topic. And, you know, one thing led to another, and I ended up using words and terminology 
create acrostic poems that are very informational. You know, they aren't gender or role specific. They're just informational, but they pull at the heartstrings of, of people that are experiencing this. And I found it very healing and it's been very, very well received um, and endorsed. You know, this whole series has it been endorsed by some major you know, players in the abuse recovery community, which that was super validating to know that I was on the right track to, you know, um, when I put out these books, realize, I didn't realize at the time, but the impact that it would have on inspiring others to heal. So, yeah. so anyway, that five book series is just a unique creative approach to um, understanding and healing from this type of abuse. Yeah. And I love at the end, the last book, it almost kind of like quizzes your mind. Like, did you really comprehend all of this to make sure to guard against the narcissist? You have these really fun um, word search of all the terms, correct? <laughs> right, right. And the word search puzzle book, um, that actually just made the bestseller list. So that obviously it's resonating with a number of people. But, you know, um, in this book, there are different terminology and all the related kind of terms that go along with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really it's a it's a distracting, a relaxing, but mm -hmm. informational exercise to, you know, just keep aiding in your healing journey. The attention and adoration that is poured onto the empath by the narcissist is like a monsoon in a desert. And it feels so good because they've been parched and neglected for so long. This is just one of the many powerful messages from my book, The Empath and the Narcissist, How to Overcome Narcissistic Abuse, Recover from PTSD, Codependency, and Gaslighting Manipulation, a guide to heal childhood trauma with effective exercises. This book contains 20 plus healing resources, guided meditations, exercises, and journal prompts for healing, human design, and astrology concepts. Buy your copy on Amazon today. You know, we just had a guest on the podcast and she talked about how that emotional abuse, especially as you grow up as a child, it, it whatever the emotional intelligence was taught to you is like a language and to learn a new healthy language you have to fully immerse yourself and i love that exercise of just continuing to search for that term remember you know remind yourself study that language because like you said knowledge is power and that's key to rewriting the neurons Right. And also with creating, like I have a survivor's workbook as well. And with creating the survivor's workbook is the third book in the series. And, you know, creating your own acrostic poetry helps you just kind of get the emotion and the pain out of your body mm -hmm. and, and onto a page and it kind of releases you, you know, and it helps you put one foot in front of the other and move forward because recovery from this type of abuse is, is just a long-term, you know, endeavor. In fact, you have to really look into your own family trauma or childhood experiences to sort of understand 
what made you a target for this yeah. type of abuse? Why are you an overgiver? Why are you, you know, accepting of, of this? Why do you stay in situations much longer than you should? Yeah. And that self-awareness, I think, is very, very important to, um, to the healing journey because, you know, really we can't control what other people do. Um, we can only control how we respond to it. Mm-hmm. So powerful. I keep saying yes, because I literally just shared that on another podcast yesterday, <laughs> twice yeah. over. And it's like peeling away the layers of an onion once you've realized that you're in an abusive relationship. And sometimes you leave before you even know it was abusive. You just know this is wrong and I don't deserve this. And then you go to therapy and they say, oh, well, that was narcissistic abuse. And you're like, what is a narcissist? And then you start peeling away right. the layers and then you realize Oh, where did this begin? Why did I accept this as normal? And it does. It goes back to the root, which is really uncomfortable, but it's necessary to fully clear all that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the writing, I just want to agree to something came up um, as you're talking is I talk about this all the time and I feel like I share it like a broken record, but I'm going to share it again is like writing things down in a journal and then for me, around the full moon, I love the moon. It's just so magical. There's something potent about it. And so I found that as I was releasing all of this toxic emotions, even eight years after, I thought that I was healed. I thought that I processed it through all of talk therapy, but it was still inside me. So writing yeah. helps get it out, right? And then yeah. to burn safely, Most release definitely. Them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's real. And some people like to journal and keep a diary. I never did that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just was too busy raising my children. And, yeah. you know, I was a full time teacher for 35 years. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I was just very busy in my life. And so, you know, just writing in a diary was never anything that I really did. But boy, when I when it came to trying to process uh, the domestic violence situation I didn't know I was experiencing. I mean, it, it really is an afterthought after you, you escape and you leave, and then you kind of reflect on what you've been through. You know, you realize it's, it's some pretty heavy duty stuff that you've experienced. Um, but mm -hmm. the writing just is very therapeutic. And in that case, boy, did it just, um, it came out, you know, with a flow that I have never seen in my own writing before. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a floodgate opened, something released within you. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And this is the tricky part about emotional abuse. And I'm glad that it's becoming, it's come out of the closet, essentially. And a lot of more people right. are talking about narcissistic abuse because it is emotional abuse. And even the courts, it's really hard to prove. When you're... When you're doing discovery in a court situation, and unfortunately, yeah. most of us that have been through this in a domestic situation have, you know, experience in the family courts. In fact, I filed for divorce back in 2013, and my abuser still taking me to court, mm. um, even though we didn't even have minor children at the time. I mean, they just are obsessed and they, you know, the courtroom is kind of their playground because mm. they know that judges and lawyers you know, um, don't, don't necessarily, they're not necessarily educated on narcissistic abuse or parental alienation. And because the abusers are so charismatic and 
calculated and connected. You know, they're the ones with the, the big bucks and, and they've worked on these connections for years. They end up, so many of them winning in court um, because, you know, their false narrative is completely believed. And the empathetic people that are so wronged are just like shell-shocked, you know, yeah. and they're in kind of survival mode, like, and they don't want this confrontation. They just wanted to escape this evil person, you yeah. know, they- they don't want it to continue and continue, but, mm -hmm. but people with these kinds of tendencies, you know, and we're not here to diagnose people or, or anything, but if they have these narcissistic, you know, um, covert malignant tendencies, they obsess on you. It doesn't matter if they've moved on and you've moved far away. Like I moved from the Chicago suburbs, like a lifetime there to the Caribbean, you know, it. I am enjoying a beautiful life here, but part of it was to get as far away as I could from, you know, the, the stalking and harassment and that type of thing. But, yeah. Well, that's um, another dangerous yeah, element stop. of the internet, right? They, they, right, you right. Know, they, I listened to a podcast, um, astrology actually, and they were talking about with everything going on in the laws, you know, Roe v. Wade and all that stuff, she brought up internet safety. And I really kind oh, of perked yeah. up about that because I myself have, been verbally assaulted because of something I posted with my own free speech on the internet. Right. And right. you just have to be careful. You have to really protect yourself. Is it really worth putting out there? Is it something that you can journal and burn kind of a situation? <laughs> Make sure. Right. And actually, careful. you know, um, survivors do take a risk in speaking out um, I make sure that I never slander or defame yeah. um, anyone, you, you know, my abuser or the or the flying monkeys and the other family and friends and neighbors that kind of took part in, in you know, the continuation of the abuse. Um, but at the same time, we are given free speech and we we have that right. And you know, we're talking about our own experiences and what we have gone through. And, but, you know, at some point you, you know, the fear subsides because, you know, abusers and people that want to control, they love to have you um, in a state of fear. They love that manipulation and control. Um, and, you know, I'm just so happy to say, you know, no, I'm done with that. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to live my happy, peaceful life. Yeah. And, you know, some very sick individual or sick individuals that, you know, have a need to hurt other people, not going to, you know, get to me anymore, you know, because mm -hmm. I I'm living true. I'm, I'm also, honest. I mean, the, the virtue that I hold to the, you know, the dearest to me is honesty. Mm -hmm. And, and we're going to talk some about projection and, mm -hmm. you know, one, one family member in my life was involved in projection by saying that I was not honest and, you know, about something. I, I don't really remember what it was. It was about my education or, you know, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. And I uh, no, no, I'm, I'm very much honest, but they're projecting because they are really telling on themselves that they are not honest people, mm -hmm. but, but it makes them feel better to accuse others mm -hmm. of what they are really doing, you know, with this projection. 
And, um, and of course they're going to, to project with something that you really feel super strong about, you know, Yeah, they always yeah. like poke, they know your buttons and they poke it and then they, they turn it on you. Yeah. I would say the projection is like, um, a bit like a mirror where they look yeah. at themselves in the face, they see their insecurities. They're like, Oh crap, no one can see this. So then they put on the mask and they turn that mirror around and they shove whatever insecurity was just in that mirror and they put it on you. Right. Definitely. That's, that's definitely what they are doing. In fact, you know, I had a lifelong best friend, you know, someone that I was, you know, so trauma bonded with, but connected mm. with, always felt that, you know, um, that we were like soul sisters that, mm. you know, had each other back, but it was because of the history and the, you know, the, the years and years and years that we have, you know, been in each other's lives. But, you know, I was slowly starting to realize, uh, and I learned of some significant betrayals, um, so significant that I could not continue a relationship with this person, which was just almost more painful than, you know, leaving a marriage. Yeah. But um, one word, and I, I actually write about this just in general in my free verse poetry, but one word that was projected onto me was condescending. And I know that I'm someone that is not condescending to anyone mm -hmm. ever. But this person has always been kind of condescending and scolding and judgmental and, you know, basically, you know, knows better than anyone, even if they've never experienced it. And, but you know, when I was starting to learn about the betrayal and, and oh, it was just so painful. And, and I couldn't just uh, remove myself immediately because there were some loose ends that needed to be kind of tied up. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew, I knew what was going on. But then in the midst of that, their mask falls and they project. And so, you know, a comment was made about, me being condescending. Now I know I'm not a perfect person and I'm human like everyone else, but I know I'm not condescending. And so that was just really like, wow, a light bulb. That to me was projection at its finest Yeah, because it was so clear that it was as if that person was looking in the mirror and saying, well, I know I'm like this. I'm going to blame someone else for that. So then I deflect the attention on me and, you know, have, have an excuse to continue to treat a person badly. It's just so traumatizing. And that's why I said about this whole emotional abuse. It is hard to pinpoint. You can't be like exhibit A, you know, all you right. can do mm -hmm. is really self-reflection is the biggest part. Like you said, knowing who you are, because they will continue. I think the projection scheme too is the game of changing who you think you are. Because again, right. that's control. part of the gaslighting is part of that too. Yeah. They want you to question your values and question like, am I really seeing things the way they, they are? And and you are, you're seeing things correctly, but you're made to, to be unsure mm -hmm. of that. 
you know, in very subtle ways. In fact, sometimes the projection is done under the guise of care and concern. That's why we're roped into this sometimes. You know, we get trauma bonded and, and with all the intermittent reinforcement where there's periods of good times and, and then definite periods of abuse, you kind of stay in it for, you know, well, I know it'll get better. Yeah, I would always say, well, if I just do this, and he would he would agree. He would say, yeah, if you just do this, and he would have a whole hour, two hour long argument and pinpointing of this and that. And it was so esoteric and literally upside down. I felt like I was in the upside down if you watch Stranger Things. And right. I was like, at the end, I'd be like, yeah, if I just did it this way. But it was something I could never do because it wasn't me. Yeah. It was his. Right. It was his deal. And also they move the goalposts. So once you do that, whatever it is that they're requiring of you to do or that you are choosing to do to hold on to something, then the goalposts move further and further away. So then there's a new thing you need to strive for. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, one thing that that has always resonated with me is that people with this kind of personality disorder that really wreck havoc on people and families and, and workplaces and that type of thing, you know, they tell on themselves, the mask falls at some point, the mask slips, but they also seem to follow the same playbook. You know, it's like you could be describing your scenario and someone else, you know, one of your followers in the audience will say, oh my God, that's my experience exactly. It's so true, yeah. yeah. It feels unique in the time, but yeah, when you compare stories, it is, there's literally a psychosis playbook. It's, it's something yeah. in the brain, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is frustrating. Um, it is infuriating, uh, but this is why we're here to educate. So you can stop trying to fix them. You can walk away and figure out your safe exit plan to even if even if you're gone, you're like exit plan of c complete communication gone. Right, right. Now, do you think that projection ties into something um, of integrity or responsibility that the narcissist does not have? Well, most definitely, you know, most definitely it is connection. Uh, you know, they 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 will accuse you of what they are doing to deflect the situation and to, to, you know, absolve themselves of responsibility. And, and they love to point the finger, you know, an empathetic person is someone who doesn't point the finger. Yes. We acknowledge that the other person is abusive, especially when it comes to parental alienation. It's, it's, you know, they take, they are the ones with full responsibility for, you know, getting the children to align with them, like brainwashing and that type of thing. But what's different with empathetic people is we are searching to try to learn about this and understand our role in it. So we do a lot of inner reflection to say, what, what do I need to know about myself and what can I change and what should I do? Where the people with the personality disorders um, whether it's a psychopath, sociopath, narcissist, you know, all the different types of narcissism. Um, they don't do that self-reflection. They, they're, they're always putting the, f the blame and pointing the finger at other people with, with no acknowledgement of, of, you know, their role 
in something like this. And, and very, very few kind of recover or decide to make changes from, they'll just move on. They'll just, you know, you are that one source of supply for however long, in my case, it was 27 years. Um, Even though throughout that time, with so much infidelity, there were a lot of other supply situations. And, and sometimes supply doesn't have to be a person. It could be a position that they are in where they have, uh, you know, employment where they are in a, in a role of authority. And so they have that kind of control and power and manipulation. And and they, they love having like, you know, a harem of people um, just looking up to them. Like they are, you know, all knowing and that type of thing. So supply could be, you know, uh, take on many different forms, but, you know, at some point when, when they either discard you, or in my case, I, I knew enough was enough and I escaped, um, they, they move on immediately to the next supply. So they don't take the time to reflect where the empathetic people are just kind of left in the wake, like, oh my gosh, I mean, it takes, it takes years and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of inner work and reflection and research, you know, to, to really turn the corner on what you've been through. Yeah. What I, I believe that those who have the uh, disorder are so fixated on covering up their insecurities, their pain, that they can't self-reflect. It is nearly impossible. But I think that's the human journey (laughs) is to evolve as a soul and to reflect. So unfortunately, maybe they're a young soul, maybe they're a middle soul. They're just kind of failing it in this lifetime, essentially. You know, they're they're not evil. They're not here to do wrong to the world. They're just kind of like failing. Like you have a choice to succeed and study and improve in life. And you have a choice to cover it up and project and and deflect everything out. I was laughing when you were talking about how the supply can be something else other than a partner or a relationship because all Uh I could see was former president T-R-U-M-P and I was like, yep, there's he's got like all of his little minions and control and all his followers and he's still like even as he's, you know, being um, on trial for for the whole January 6th. He's still trying to like gain control of the country through his different minions. I, I really think that that's his well, ego I think supply. That, you know, without getting you know political, because I I have you know personal concerns just about our nation now and our yeah. our freedoms and where we're going and all of that. Um, you know, so I don't think that it's always just, you know, in, in when you're talking politics or whatever, that it's just one person. But I think that you can definitely see um, narcissistic traits in almost anyone that is in a leadership position. It's just, there are some leaders that, you know, have that element of empathy that, you know, really are for the good of others. And so, you know, I, um, I, you know, I think that, like I said, the supply can be many different things, but the, the bottom line is these people will, will move on to get their next fix where they will leave, you know, the rest of us in the wake of, of just trying to you know, put the pieces of the puzzle 
you know, of our shattered life kind of, you know, back together. And, you know, it, it, unfortunately, because the process is a journey, which I, I should say, not unfortunately, fortunately as well, that, you know, it does take time to do this. And, and you were, it was interesting how you were talking about like the different lifetimes that maybe they're not purposely out to, to harm others. Um, although that's hard to wrap my head around because I do see some malevolence calculation, that type of thing with, with at least what I've experienced, but you know, um, that they really have just failed. You know, another thing to kind of piggyback on that is maybe, you know, depending on your beliefs, your spiritual, you know, foundations, um, we might've chosen these abusive people in our life to have this experience of pain. And I've even heard it said that maybe at one point or one lifetime, we were the abuser and caused pain to others. And so this is for us to experience what it's like on the other side. You know, it's really mm -hmm. interesting to just kind of contemplate the, the scenario, but the bottom line is, we need to educate ourselves on terminology like projection, and we need to, um, you know, be more self-aware so that we can grow and self-actualize and, and get ourselves to a safe and happy place. Yeah, absolutely. We don't know 100% what the, the scheme is and if there even is a scheme. And like you say, the bottom line is it doesn't matter if there's a scheme or multiple lifetimes. We're dealing with it right now. So what can yeah. we do right now in the present and in grounded in the earth? What can we do? Yeah. Are there some specific tools um, and tips to deal with projection in real life? Let's say someone is in this circumstance right now. What should they do when they are being projected on? Well, I, I think you need to kind of understand a little bit more what projection is and have some examples. Um, actually, in, in my fourth book of True Deceit, False Love, where I have free verse poetry, I have, you know, one of the, one of the um, poems that I wrote, I started out with a couple phrases which are really projection. So I wanted to just read a couple of those so that your audience can understand this is what projection looks like. Yes, please. So, one of them says, oh, come on, you're overreacting. Mm. Or don't be so sensitive. Mm. Or I have in effect told you that I was mistaken. You know, put it behind you. You heard me wrong. You know, you might have seen this, but you saw it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so those are just some tangible examples of actual projection you know these were true words that were spoken um but they're they're done in a way that um almost like you know right before or right after a kind of statement where they kind of build you up and you feel like you're connected but then they'll say oh no no you heard that wrong you know um uh, you know, no, I, I, I'm being honest. I think you're not being truthful to yourself, mm. that yeah. kind of thing. So, you know, I think when you were asking, like, what are some tools that people could learn about projection? I would say kind of look into some example phrases so that you can kind of 
realize, oh my gosh, if they're saying I'm too sensitive or I'm overreacting, that could be a projection, you know, or that could be the gaslighting could be part of that. Another thing is to follow your gut intuition. You know, your, your, your gut is telling you whether you believe it's spirit, whether you believe it's your um, divine self, whatever it is, um, you know, your, your, you're hearing things and your gut feeling is just kind of trying to guide you to make a decision to, to pay attention, you know? So paying attention to some signs and synchronicities and, and being a little bit more observant, I think is a tool because we get so busy in our lives that we overlook some little nuance things that could really um, if you're, if you're ready to pay attention, boy, they can be glaring, but if you're not paying attention, whoop, it just can go over your head and you just move on and, and let it go because, you know, people that are abusive kind of start out slow and, and it does kind of evolve and get, um, more damaging as time goes on and, uh, and, and then more emboldened with their statements yeah. because it's almost like building up a resistance to something in your body you start really small and slow right. and then you get bigger and bigger it's the same thing with the me the mental capacity yeah right and you don't realize that you've been tested you know yeah. i i was actually tested in many ways before i even got married and mm -hmm. you know looking back i'm thinking oh my gosh i should have well i did leave it one time i left the situation one time just to be love bombed back in, you know, yeah. roped back in as part of my journey. But, um, but they do kind of test you with different things to see, well, is he or she going to question this as, or confront it, or are they just going to let it go? And then they just, they do get more emboldened and, and it does get, you know, more and more severe. And, and by the time you, you really figure it out, it's, it's like full blown. So, you know, another thing that I would say is to understand terminology. And I think when you do the inner work and you try to, you hear different phrases being thrown about in podcasts or in literature, um, try to look into those, what they mean. And then also, how does that relate to your story? Mm -hmm. So I think that would be the advice that, I would give those that are trying to figure out what is projection and, uh, you know, how is that affecting me? Yeah, I love those. I love those. I wrote those down. I've got about five there and that they're very powerful. They may seem simple, like, oh, no brainer. But when you're in it, it is really difficult to find the yeah. clarity through that fog of gaslighting. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hopeful that it's simple, but it does take some effort and just a bit of focus and time. So just like trying to focus when you're driving through a fog, you got to focus on what's right in front of you. What are they presenting to you right now? And that is, that is the truth. That is not, not a charade. That is the truth. Right. And when you mentioned about going through the fog, you know, fog is also um, an acronym for fear, obligation, and guilt. And so, and there are other kinds of acronyms that go along with that whole narcissist empath dynamic. But I would say, you know, Raven, your podcast just has these deep, you know, conversations and you address these uncomfortable topics. 
And I think that that really matters because people are tuning in and they can look at, at others and say, well, they survived this. They went on to heal. Um, so if they can, maybe I can too. So I just commend you for the many platforms that you have, um, you know, with, with your podcast here, with, you know, your narc abuse TV, with your book, you know, I, I just commend you because you really are approaching this uh, in so many different ways to provide inspiration and hope to others who have gone through this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, and thank you back. You know, the more we can gather together and unite and shine the light on all of this, it can dispel and teach and educate for the future generations to really minimize narcissist abuse. Let's let's make it extinct. Yeah, yeah that would be amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you, sometimes you you have to break and stop the the generational component to all of this. And, you know, you may not be able to save your, your own children from experiencing this kind of thing, but I think, you know, acknowledging what you've gone through and speaking out on it and, and bringing awareness can at least, you know, get us closer to, to eradicating, you know, this devastating family and relationship dynamic. You know, but because people need to be more aware and then they can make better choices, be more discerning about who they let in their life. You know, I'm a very different person um, now than I was even five or 10 years ago. I still have my core values of honesty, love, compassion, you know, goodness, that type of thing. But when it comes to, to letting or keeping people in my life, I'm, I'm getting stronger with, you know, my boundaries and the boundaries are not that I'm better than they are, or that I'm trying to punish them by not talking with them or anything. The boundaries are, are really to take care of myself. And so that I'm not roped back into, you know, what is uncomfortable and abusive in my mind, you know, and, and the people there are people that won't give up. They want to keep contacting you. They kind of, they want to keep the confrontation going. They want to keep the, 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 the conflict and, and um, dynamic just alive when really, you know, it's, it's hard, especially if they're family members too, to just, you know, step back. Cause you're really, really trying to take care of yourself. Yes. And boundaries, excuse me, boundaries are the way to teach people how to treat you plain and simple right there it's not a punishment i know for me when i first started thinking about them learning about them i thought oh that's really uncomfortable or like it's not conflict you mm -hmm. can simply state it you don't have to argue about your boundary that's obviously a sign that you need to cut contact if somebody's arguing with you about your boundary because it's uh -huh. yours and they need to respect it. It's, it's how you teach people how to treat you. Right. That's so beautifully said. And I think we, you know, I need to learn to do that even more, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, and it is, it is a process. And, you know, especially the last couple of years, you know, there are such different, differing views on all sorts of things, on health, on politics, on, on 
basic freedoms on gender, on race, all these different kind of conflicts. And then you've got, you know, the people that are dealing with the narcissist empath kind of intergenerational family con, con you know, conflicts. So, so we have really been kind of, you know, forced to have to decide how are we going to handle these things? Can you still have a relationship with someone, even though your opinions about certain things can differ tremendously? And mm -hmm. I think that you can. It just depends on if there is a respect for another person's opinion or boundaries. I, I'm someone, too, that I don't have a real need to force my opinion or my views on another person, and nor do I want to, you know, um, alienate. It's not really the best term, but, I, you know, um, to, to cause, cause some sort of discord because my view might be very different, but I think then it just goes back to the whole thing we were talking about earlier on is just staying true to your values, being strong and knowing who you are mm. and what you stand for. And, and that strength gets better every single day when you, when you realize, you know, who you want to surround yourself with and, you know, how you want to conduct your life and, and to be aware that you don't have to be a doormat like you might've been for so many years. You don't have to just put up, you really can, you know, slowly back away, you know, low contact, no contact, you know, whatever is healthiest for you, but it's, it's more protecting yourself. It's not pointing the finger and blaming another person. You're just really taking care of yourself. Yeah. Cause you can't change them. So then you go, okay, I observe that we have extremely differing opinions. So now I'm going uh -huh. to reduce the amount of time I talk to you about this subject so that I don't get right. mad at you, so that I don't hate you. But if you right. can have that aspect of respect. But I truly think that I, I, what I'm sensing intuitively is the family dynamic, the toxicity of the empaths, the narcissists, and so on and so forth, are almost being like magnified out into the world stage and all of these yeah. different issues yeah. that we're seeing. It really is just that dynamic of my way or the highway, I believe this is the way to go, you know, it's, it's just toxic. So it's almost like because this hasn't been addressed in for so long, like ever, <laughs> it is, uh -huh. it is out for the world to see. And hopefully we can all open our eyes and see the examples in what the, what's happening on a global scale to be able uh -huh. to address our personal issues and to really, right. it's, it's so, it's so interesting because, you know, when it comes to, to family court, you know, with some of these abusers, you know, lots of times there's, there's little or no justice because the truth and, and the true documentation and all of that is not regarded as significant where, 
you know, someone's false narrative and how they, their connections and how they can sway certain situations seems to take precedence over like true facts and families are ruined as a result of this type of thing. Um, But I, I oftentimes, you know, and I think I wrote about this too, in one of my poems, because it was a way to get these, express these thoughts in a way that, you know, was just more objective, where I talked about the targeted parent, and this could go for the targeted empath, that we are experiencing, uh, now the global world is kind of understanding our plight, where there's not always justice and truth does not always prevail. And, you know, um, what we might see as this is in plain sight, it's clear, it's objective, that's not how everyone else sees it. And so we really are, are you know, it's, uh, it's a tough thing, but it's also a good thing. You know, there's got to find a balance between it. It's, it's good to now be aware and have these conversations when maybe previous years, you know, certainly in my mother's generation, when she was being domestically abused, you know, they didn't talk about it. There was no support groups. There, was, there were no podcasts. There were, right. you know... Oh, you were really, um, when talk about isolation, mm. you were really uh, left to kind of, you know, mad in your own, you know, thoughts of the injustice and, and you know, where you just don't have the support system and stuff. At least, at least now, I think that there's more of a community that is um, open and almost compelled to have these conversations, um, mm. not only for our own healing, but to help other people on their journey. Yeah, absolutely. I can't even imagine because the, the other part of the narcissist isolating you is they convince everyone, even your own mother, father, that they are perfect and you are the one being selfish or entitled or crazy uh-huh. and it's really isolating. So yeah. that's a positive side to the internet. They can use it to do bad, but we can use it for the good and we can shine the light on their behavior, which wasn't able to just one generation ago. Right, right. So yeah, and I just truly in my heart of hearts believe that goodness and truth does prevail at some point, you know, the false mask slips. And, you know, but damage is done. And some of the damage is just irreversible. But at some point, you you've got to realize, hey, I can only own so much of that and, and to move forward in the light. And, and know that love is the highest vibration and honesty and truth eventually does prevail. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a long haul, but we do have the hope. We have to keep that hope and discipline, I think, too, right? Not to spiritually bypass and be like, oh, yeah, I hope one day it's great. Like, this is what we're doing right now. The work and the discipline to continue to educate, to learn, to stand up, to start speaking up for yourself. One other thing that I had, I didn't say about talking to a family member who maybe has completely opposite ideas of you is under this hypnotized idea of the narcissist and the narcissistic system of whatever's happening, right? Like, I'm sure we're all sitting here angry about what's happening with the laws and, you know, politically. But when all that happens, you try and have a conversation with someone Try not to retreat and just not talk about it. I know I say like, oh, just draw a boundary. Don't talk about it. 
but that's almost like my ego and my little like shy person like retreating back in like oh don't do that but that's not the hard work we need to do because the hard work also is in our one-on-one conversations with our friends with our family and even though we know we can't convert them we know we've said our piece so that it almost like dispels this pattern that it's okay to not care about politics. It's okay to not vote. It's okay to just let, you know, whomever, certain religion govern how you're going to make laws, like all these different things, right? It's just not okay. So that I just had well, to bring and that so up. Much is, <laughs> yes, but so much is not in our control. And, you know, at some point with some people, you can agree to disagree. Not all people will be like that. In fact, you know, um, usually it's the empathetic, loving people that aren't trying to convert other people. We have had a history of accepting all sorts of scenarios that are different than our values. And being and so, converted constantly. <laughs> right, right. And so it, it's, it really kind of works the other way around. And, and then unfortunately, there are some situations where, you know, it, the healthiest thing to do is to love from afar and not engage and all that. But I do believe that, yes, it's important to, to still stand up, you know, and not cower and, and, and just avoid the conversations. Um, At some point with some people, that's probably the healthiest thing to do. Yeah. It's different and unique for every person's situation. Yes. yes, That's what I was going to say. It's different for different people. You need to kind of read that and, and determine, you know, how much do you want to get involved in the dialogue? You know, if, if, you know, if it's not met with kind of an open communication, you know, at some point you have to say, Hey, is that worth my time and, and my energy and my emotions? Exactly. Yeah. I always yeah. like to just put like a one line at the end or here, cause I don't want conflict, but I just feel like I have to say it. And it's funny, the last conversation I had, she's like, well, you should go into politics. <laughs> she's like, you don't need to tell me. You should just be telling everyone else, <laughs> essentially, is what she said. It's it's funny how we all experience these frustrating conversations differently. And we have different relationships. Yeah. yeah. This is but it's just... Great. It's great to have these conversations, though, Raven. And I just yeah. I commend you on having such an awesome platform and and to be able to have these conversations. And, you know, hopefully through the dialogue, you know, we're inspiring others to give them hope that they can be faced with adversity and challenges with relationships or situations. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you're stuck in that forever, that you really can, you know, once you acknowledge it and learn about it, and then do the inner work to see your role in, in all of this and, and, you know, make some decisions regarding your boundaries or, or what direction you want to go. You know, some good things can come out of this. And so I just really commend you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and all your work and all of your books that you've written and being such an amazing guest. I want to thank you. Yes, thank you so much for being here. And remember, everybody, keep your unique light shining. 
Swear I won't forget this. Why do I regret this? In my mind, reckless thoughts are feeling endless. Sitting up, I'm breathless. Anxiety's infectious. I feel so defenseless, betrayed and embarrassed. I hate being open. I hate being broken. I feel like an ocean filled up with emotion. Anger ain't a potion. Rub it on like lotion. I can feel it soaking, reopen. The scars have awoken. I can't move on till I let go. I feel so lost. Never at home. Need to be strong. Every breath hold. Cause I can't move on till I let.